Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. A series a few weeks ago uh, called Gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but this, this series has been helping my soul. And I really feel that it's been a breath of fresh air for our church. Every single service, the last few weeks, have just felt alive. And I'm believing, come on, for revival in your life and my life in our home. Come on, anybody believe in it? Come on, I really feel that our church has stepped into a brand new season. Come on, let's give God some glory for that. That the Holy Spirit. He comes to revive and he comes to make alive. And I don't know what areas of your life have been dead or dry, but I believe that the Holy Spirit is the power of God for us. And we've had a whole lot of fun the last couple of weeks. Sunday nights, we've called them revival nights. And tonight we're going to be praying for people as well. Sunday nights at Kendall have been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, today we're going to wrap up the series. Today's the last week of the series. And so I want you to grab your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, and uh, look at the person you're sitting next to one more time and tell them, I prayed all weekend that you would sit next to me. Come on. Come on, tell them they look good. Look at the person on the other side and encourage them. Come on, tell them they have a nice smile. Tell them they look thinner this Sunday than last Sunday. Come on, encourage somebody today. Mo, you look phenomenal, and I'm praying for a wife for you soon. In Jesus' name. Hey, the, the base the base scripture for this whole series, for us to understand why we need to talk about the Holy Spirit, is because Jesus, he talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 7. Shared this every single week, and I, I hope it's gotten in our heart and our soul. Jesus told his disciples, really I believe he told all of us, um, why we need the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus told them this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go, because uh, when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And um, I, I'm really praying that our whole church gets an understanding of the importance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I really feel like we have captured it. And today we're going to wrap it up with this last uh, piece of scripture passage. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen as well. Paul's writing again about spiritual gifts. And look at what he says. He says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, we form one body. Somebody say one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then he lists a couple of different gifts. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, then do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. This is just another passage of scripture where we see that uh, gifts of the Spirit are talked about. The last couple of weeks, we discussed the gifts of the Spirit out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Today, I want to talk a little bit about these gifts and uh, many other more in the New Testament. But we're going to wrap it up and kind of give like a little recap as we get ready to for the fall. Come on, we're getting ready for West Campus in just three weeks. Come on, West Kendall. Make some noise for West Kendall in three weeks. And 
We're starting a brand new series called What's Next, September 8th, and I think it's going to be phenomenal. But today, I really, I really believe that God's going to do something special in this place. I got a message today on my heart, and if you're taking notes, write this down. I want to talk to you from this title, Before and After. Before and after. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for your goodness, for your grace with us and toward us. Uh, thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Thank you for this family that meets across uh, five different services and two locations, soon to be three locations. God, thank you that you love us. You're for us. You're with us. Holy Spirit, we believe that you're here. I pray that you come to heal, open up eyes, and do something in our heart and our soul. God, we believe that uh, you are in the midst of us, and I'm believing for fresh rain. I'm believing for fresh wind and for fresh fire on our church, on our lives, marriages, homes, and all we do. It is in your name that we pray, and all of God's people say, oh, come on, all of God's people say, can you give Jesus one more praise? Come on, with all you got, give him one more praise. Come on. I, I really believe that we're living in the age of comparison. Uh, because of uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, everything else you want to use. It's very easy to see somebody else's life, see how they're living the life, and compare it to yours. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's extremely easy to get on Instagram and, and see somebody's highlights and compare them to your lowlights. Because nobody puts their depressing days up. Nobody puts when their car breaks down and they're frustrated in the middle of the highway. Nobody, nobody gets fired from work and says, I just got fired. Awesome day. Amazing. Took a selfie. Nobody does that. Everybody puts their best moments, their best vacations. And, and I really believe that it's caused a, a little bit of danger that, that you can be going through your low lights and all of a sudden open up an app and see somebody else's highlights and all of a sudden begin to think that your life doesn't compare to somebody else's. I don't have enough. I don't, ha- I don't got enough. I, my life is nothing like theirs. Has that happened to anybody? And I think it's caused a big problem and I'm afraid of it. And I, I think it's caused us to almost like hide or not come out with the gifts and the blessings. And it causes us to not count what God has already given us. God has given us so much, but because we live in the age of comparison, we discount what God has given us because we're counting somebody else's blessing. Oh, come on. You're not hearing me, 11 a.m. Come on. I, 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 this happened to me a few years ago. I, well, let me just take it back. I grew up in a, in a Hispanic home. Any, anybody grew up in a Hispanic home, Hispanic parents? My parents are here. And uh, my house was a little bit different probably than other households. Uh, but if you have a Hispanic mom, you probably grew up like me. Saturday mornings were not regular Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings were cleaning days in our home. Saturday mornings still are. Saturday mornings at about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, my mom would loudly walk across the entire house telling all of us to get up because it was time to clean. And uh, anybody heard the term spring cleaning? I hate it. I'm, I'm still, I face trauma from it, right? I, I grew up with uh, Christian parents, loved them, Christian households since we were little, Pentecostal, charismatic. And so my mom, Saturday morning, we had a stereo in the living room and she blasted that stereo with Marcos Wheat. Anybody remember Marcos Wheat? If, you don't, if you're not familiar with Marcos Wheat, uh, let me just give you a little bit of an example of his music. It includes a lot of tramb- uh, tambourines. A lot of tambourines, a lot of trumpets, trumpets. So Saturday morning, our house, uh, it felt like a military fort. And it felt like I was in boot camp. And my mom would walk around the whole, whole house. And so we, we would get up from our slumber in trauma to clean the house. 
And I knew that day I wasn't going to go outside. I wasn't going to see friends. I wasn't going to see the light of day. I was just going to clean all day. Uh, Just a few years ago, my wife, who operates under the same spirit and anointing as my mom, (laughs) wakes up one day and says, hey, babe, let's clean the house. Let's do some spring cleaning. And she was really excited about it. And I'm like, sure, amazing. It's going to be awesome. Let's do it. And she's like, let's clean out our entire closet, our entire room. Let's throw away anything that's old. And and we're just going to clean everything out. And I'm like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is awesome. A couple of years ago, we started doing that, and I remember going into my closet and, and looking through a bunch of boxes, and, and I forgot that I had something that somebody had given me. I'm, I'm, I, love, I love shoes. I love sneakers, and somebody had given me a gift. There was a pair of sneakers that I loved a lot, and I didn't like to use them too often because I really wanted to take care of them, and I had put them in this box and put them all the way in the back of my closet. And that day that we were doing extensive cleaning in my room, um, I, I looked all the way in the back, and I found a gift that I had placed all the way in the back of the closet. Got me thinking that a lot of us, God has given us gifts, God has given us blessings, and because of the complexity of life or comparison in our life, we have placed it in the back closet of our soul, and we have not used these gifts, but I believe that God is awakening his church to say, you have a gift, you have a calling, there's an anointing over your life, and it's time to go to the closet, get the gift out, come on, shine it up, and say, I will be used for the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on. I'm here to remind somebody this morning. You have a gift. Somebody say, I have a gift. You have a gift. God has given you a gift. And I wonder if because of life circumstances or situations, we've underused it or hidden it somewhere in the back of our soul. All right. I think it happens to us often. I came up with three different reasons why I believe that we don't use our gifts or hide our gifts. And, and I'm explaining to you really quickly. I believe that number one, what the first reason why we don't use gifts or hide our gifts is because there's a lack of information. Somebody say information. I believe that information is lacking when it comes to spiritual gifts. For example, a few weeks ago, when we started talking about spiritual gifts, some people were looking around like, what is a spiritual gift? And is it something weird? I have no idea what it is. I don't even know I have a spiritual gift. And so I think that we need to bring clarity and information when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. And so I think spiritual gifts are extremely beneficial and needed in our lives and in the church today. And so, so just to recap, a couple of weeks ago, we, we gave a definition of what spiritual gifts are. This is the definition that we came up with. What is a spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all Christians to do God's work on earth. God, God gives you and he gives me a supernatural ability to do, uh, carry out God's purpose here on earth. Is, is this making sense? Yeah. Right, it's a supernatural that lack of information. Number two, I think there's misconceptions when it comes to spiritual gifts. We've heard of spiritual gifts, maybe we've we've kind of seen them somewhere in some churches or in some circles that we've been in before. But but there's a whole lot of misconceptions, and this causes us to hide them or not use the gift that God has placed in our life. There's people here today that you have a gift. But, but you're hiding it because of misconceptions. You've been around maybe some weird circle. There's been some goofiness attached to spiritual gifts. There's been some craziness. And we talked about this the last few weeks. Spiritual gifts are not to be abused, but they're also not to be neglected. And they're beneficial. And so I want to tell you today, spiritual gifts are powerful for your life and for my life. 
They're not just for an elite view. I think some people have a misconception that spiritual gifts are only for pastors or leaders or people that talk in certain tones. And we learned that spiritual gifts are for everybody. Can I get an amen? You have a spiritual gift that God wants to deposit in you to use you. It's not just for a certain few. The elite few does not exist in the body of Jesus Christ. Come on. We're all one and all the same at the foot of the cross. Can I get an amen? And so it's not for an elite few. And spiritual gifts are not weird. Maybe you've been weirded out by spiritual gifts, but they're actually beneficial for your life and mine. And they help edify the church. In fact, Paul says they're not weird. In fact, he says you should desire them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. Paul encourages you and me, go after spiritual gifts. You need them in your life. Desire them. Ask for them every single day because spiritual gifts are power. Somebody say power. power. Oh, come on. Can you say it with some power? Say power. power. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And now when he says that word power, he literally means the word dynamos, which, where we get our English word dynamite. Which means when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive God's supernatural dynamite in your life. I don't know about you, but I need the dynamite of God in my life. Some energy, some power on the inside to overcome sin, to overcome my bad habits, to overcome my bad temper, to overcome anger. Come on, we can't do it on our own. We need the dynamite from heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. Get the dynamite from heaven. It's available for you and for me to overcome what this world throws at us. He says, be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you're full of this morning, but life, it can easily fill you with frustration, with anxiety, with worry. Come on, we're full of so much stuff. You just get on the palmetto for 30 minutes and you'll see what people are full of. But he says, be full of the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be full of the Spirit. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. We need the spirit of God. Don't fill your life with wine that leads to nothing. You're going to lose control over your life, over your emotions, over your feelings. He says, be filled with the Holy spirit because it comes with power. And so, so I think that we hide our gifts or don't use our gifts because we don't have enough information or because there's a whole lot of misconceptions. Uh, but the third reason I, I really think is one of the major reasons. And one of the main reasons why is because of our past. I think a lot of us, we don't walk out and we don't, we don't do the gifts of the Spirit. We don't operate in the gifts that God has for us because we've had past history that has kept us bound. And, and maybe you're in here today and you're like, Alex, I, I think I have a gift. And I think God has gifted me with the supernatural ability to do something. But, but maybe you failed in one way or another. And now you're thinking God can't use you. Maybe you've been through some trauma in different circles of Christian life and Somebody burned you. Somebody tried you. Maybe you were in a church where, where they did you wrong. And now you're like, I'm not, I'm not never going to serve again. I'm not, I'm not going to be part of no team because I, I was walking in my gift, but somebody did me wrong. Maybe you made a mistake in your life. And I think often our mistakes, our failures can hold us back. And, and we think God can never use somebody like me because last time I tried, I, I messed up too much. I'm guilty. And you're walking around with shame and guilt. And I really think that the past paralyzes a lot of people from walking forward. We have to be careful because the, there's a big problem that happens when it comes to our past. And I really believe that past mistakes can hold you back. And past mistakes can stop you from using your gifts in the present. You have to make a determination and say, you know what? My past is not going to become my prison. 
My past is not going to hold me back. My past is not going to determine my future. I know who God is. I know he's a God of grace. I know he's a God of love. I know that he has a brighter future for me. Come on, anybody grateful for the love and the grace of Jesus? But we have to get over our past. Is your past holding you back? The last couple of years, this story has gone around of how they train um, elephants for circuses. It says that they, they bring in an elephant, a baby elephant, into training grounds and they tie a, a chain around its leg and the, t- the chain is attached to a stake in the ground. And, and the elephant, for the first few months of his life, he, he tries to run away or he tries to, to get away at a distance and, and he can't because the chain holds him back. And every time he wants to go back, the chain that's t- tied up to the stake doesn't allow him to roam freely. And so he only has a certain distance that he can walk and he's basically walking around in a circle for the first few months of his life. And after some time, they come and they take the chain away from its leg and the stake is taken away. But, but the elephant has been so trained and his mind those are already so programmed that it doesn't matter how big he gets and how much time passes, what's happened in the past makes him think that this is all he can do in his life. This is, uh, this is the only place he can go to. He is only allowed to go in circles and at a short distance and his mind can't let go of the chain. He has a wide open field. He can go wherever he wants. He's massive now. He can really tackle any human that gets in the way. But because of the chain in his mind, he can't move forward. I really believe that in the church of Jesus Christ, there's a whole lot of believers that you're chained to past trauma, past failure, past addictions, past habits. And can I tell you, the grace of Jesus Christ has come to break the chains. You are free to move forward in your calling, in your destiny. Come on, today is the day where the chains are breaking and you can move forward in your future, in your calling. Come on, anybody grateful for the grace of Jesus? Anybody grateful for the spirit of God? You are free to move forward in your destiny and in your calling and i wonder how many of us are still chained to something in the past and you got a wide open future ahead of you but the chain keeps you down can i tell you you have gifts so that you can make a difference in your world but i wonder if the past is holding us back jesus jesus is hanging out with his disciples and i i love jesus it's such a powerful moment because the disciples they're frustrated because jesus is about to leave them and, and we talked about this a few weeks ago i would be frustrated if jesus said hey i'm leaving you like i want i want physical jesus jesus with me each and every single day like to hang with jesus see jesus i would have been like them too i would have been bummed out like jesus where are you going don't leave us I want you here. We've had such a good time eating pita chips and hummus and singing songs. And it's been amazing. And the way you just like, you're always like so wise. And he's like, no, I I have to go. John chapter 16, Jesus tells them something powerful that I believe was for them. But it's really for the entire church across history. He says, it's to your benefit that I go. Because if I go, the helper will come. And you actually have an advantage if the Holy Spirit comes. I love that because I read that. And I'm like, whoa, I, it's so easy to forget the Holy Spirit. Can we be honest? So easy not to communicate with the Holy Spirit and forget that he's inside of us. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is inside of me today. And Jesus tries to remind them. And, and I, I want you, come on, can we go really quick to the scene? Let's go to the scene. Imagine Jesus. They're probably sitting around in a circle and they're all bummed out and they're depressed. And they're like, Jesus, we can't believe that you're leaving. And. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, it's to your advantage that I go. Now, now they needed to hear that. We need to hear that. But, but let's just think, there's one of them in that circle that really needed to hear this. Obviously, all of us. But there's one in there that needed to understand what he was saying. 
Like, let's look at Peter for a moment. Peter was the loud disciple. Peter was almost borderline obnoxious disciple. He would always have something to say, right? He always, if you read the scriptures, if you read the New Testament, Peter always stuck his foot in his mouth. He always, one time Jesus is talking about his death and how he's going to the cross. And Peter loud and boldly says, no, you're not Jesus. I will stop whoever tries to kill you. All right. He thinks he's bold, loud. Like a lot of us, we relate to Peter because that's us right there. Right. We always try to change the plans of God. And, and Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Imagine Jesus calls you Satan. I don't know about you, but right there, I'll cry for the rest of my life. And um, in that circle, Peter's there and Peter's the loud one. Peter's the bold one. He thinks he's the best disciple. And and he doesn't understand how much he's going to need the Holy Spirit. Like, he, I, I think he really doesn't understand and get a grip like I need the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's to your advantage that I go because the helper is going to come. Fast forward a couple of, of weeks later when they come to arrest Jesus and they take him and he's full of chains and they're beating him and whipping him. And Peter's at a distance now, remember? Peter's at a distance and he's witnessing this and they come close to Peter and three different people say, hey, aren't you the one that hung out with Jesus of Nazareth? You're part of his crew as well. And what does Peter do? Nah, not me. I don't know you talking about. That wasn't me. He looked like me. I, I thought it was me too. Uh, that's not me. And they're like, no, no, no. I think it was you. Like you were with, you were part of this Nazareth group and the disciples who are, who are just causing so much uproar. He's like, it's not me. And, and he begins to deny Jesus. Not, not one time, not two times, but three times, thrice. Right? He denies Jesus three times. Now, when, when he denied Jesus the third time, the rooster crows, and, and, and he's reminded of the words that Jesus says, that, hey, you're going to deny me three times. What does Peter do? The Bible says that he weeps bitterly. Like, G, like Jesus told him, you are going to deny me. Now, Peter remembers this. He's denied his friend. He feels so defeated. He feels so embarrassed, so full of shame. I could imagine him walking away from the scene, seeing the cross at a distance on that Friday morning and saying, I, I, I failed my friend and I failed the Messiah. What you have to remember is just a, a couple weeks prior in Caesarea Philippi, which was a prophetic place that they were standing, where Jesus asked this question, who do people say that I am? And the disciples all gave different answers. And what did Peter say? You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And right there, Jesus says, whoa, I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Peter was destined. Peter had a calling. Peter had a prophetic calling that on his confession, the church was going to be built. And now fast forward, he's crying bitterly. He's defeated. Have you ever been there? Like, I'm just embarrassed. God, I failed you. God, I, I messed up again. I told you I wasn't going to do this again. I told God, I'm so sorry. God, I, oh my God, I'm a failure. Like, how could you ever say that my name was Peter the Rock? Like right now, I feel like a pebble. Like I'm just terrible. I'm, I, I can't even like stay in your sight. And Peter's off at a distance crying his life away. And after Jesus is laid in the grave, Peter stands up and he goes back to fishing. And I can imagine him fishing, just depressed, grabbing that net and just like, how did I fail my friend? He throws out his net. How, how did I do this to Jesus? And he's having a before moment. He's full of failure, embarrassment, shame, guilt. He's depressed out there fishing. Reminds me when I used to go fishing with my dad and we caught nothing for 12 hours. <laughs> nothing was biting, only mosquitoes, right, all night. And you're just out there like, I'm going to. And Peter's thinking about Jesus' words. 
Come on, on the third day, Jesus meets him at the shore. Resurrected Jesus comes and meets him. And this is a whole nother message. And they have breakfast together and Jesus restores him, forgives him. And they just have a beautiful moment there on the beach, on the sands of the water. And then from there, he says, go up to the upper room because when the spirit falls upon you, you will receive power. Some of us are in the before moment. And what you need to do is cross over to the after moment. Because defeated Peter went up to the upper room and he waited for the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came down, he was full of power, started speaking in tongues. All of a sudden, he stood up on his feet. And the Bible says that he preached one of the most beautiful message. It's found in the book of Acts. And that day, because of Peter's message, full of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Oh, you can be before Peter or you can be after Peter. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay in my shame. I don't want to stay in my failure. I don't want to stay in my guilt. I don't want to stay in the before. Come on, I got an after experience. It's full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, the church needs to stand up full of the power of the Holy Spirit and say, I'm not going to stay defeated. I'm not going to stay down. I got the Holy Spirit before and after. Can I get an amen? I just sense in my heart that there's a whole bunch of people across the church of Jesus that are in that before moment, you're, you're full of shame and defeat and failure and embarrassment. And he's saying, if you just let the Holy Spirit fill you, you can have an after moment. And you can be used by God in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit gives come to help the church. And as we close out this series, come on, I just pray my heart is that we all understand that the mission is not just for pastors or leaders, it's for the entire church to be used by God. In every street, in every office, in every classroom, God can and God wants to use you. And so we have gifts for different reasons. And I'll finish up with three things. Write these down. Why do we have gifts? Why do we have gifts of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, you have gifts because you have purpose. Somebody say purpose. You have a purpose. Like you have a purpose. It's not just me that has a purpose, my wife or some pastors. You have a purpose with God. God specifically designed you and, and, and he made you all complex and he, he built something in you because you have a purpose and you have gifts on the inside. You have a personality that God has given you. You have different stuff on the inside that God wants to use for his kingdom and for his glory. And I think there's a bunch of people and a bunch of humans walking around that we think we're a mistake or we're an accident because of what people have spoken over our lives. I want to tell you, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not here because of a random chance of the universe. You're here because God Almighty, he made you. He designed you since you were in your mother's womb. Oh, he already knew your name. Since you were in your mother's womb, he already knew your purpose. Come on, you have a purpose. You were made by God and and maybe you think I'm just here because my parents had one night where they had no idea what they were doing. And, and now here I am. And my whole life I've heard that I was the mess up. My whole life I've heard that I'm the accident. My whole life I've heard that I got no purpose. I'm here to tell you, you have a purpose. Man can make a mistake on this side, but God never makes a mistake on his side. You have a purpose on the inside of you. And that's why he comes and gives you gifts so that you can carry out your purpose for his glory. You're not just a random piece of mass walking around planet earth. You didn't descend from no monkey. You're not just a group of cells that formed together over countless numbers of years. 
You're designed by an almighty, intelligent God who formed you and created you and put cells and intelligence and a spirit and a soul. And he breathed upon you when you were in your mother's womb and you're here for a purpose to carry out the destiny and the calling of God over your life. And the Holy Spirit can come and fill you and empower you to do what God has called you to do. And so this world wants to tell us, you're just an accident. The number one question on Google is, why am I here? People have no idea that they have a purpose in their life. You have a purpose. And spiritual gifts come so that we can help out each other. Look what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Can I tell you, you're included in that. Maybe you've only been coming for a few months or maybe you've been in church for a long time. You have gifts and you're included in the purposes of God. The Bible says that if our earthly fathers who are, who are good can give us good gifts, imagine our heavenly father. Our heavenly father gives us the best gifts. Have you ever received a bad gift? Anybody ever received a bad gift? You don't want to admit it because the person might be next to you. But I remember this one Christmas with a bunch of us together and, and somebody that used to be in our family related through somebody else. And, we were all there hanging around and I opened up this Christmas gift that they gave me. And when I opened it up, it was a pair of socks. And uh, as a 14-year-old uh, man, I, I didn't want no socks. Like, who wants socks for their birthday? I opened it up, I'm like, socks, amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Been wanting a sock all year long. Oh my God, this is awesome. Can I tell you, our God doesn't give bad gifts. He's a good God who gives good gifts. And he says that the Holy Spirit is a gift for you and for me. The Holy Spirit is a gift and he comes with good gifts. I want to tell you, you are not weak. I want to tell you, you're not defeated. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what another church, another pastor, another leader, doesn't matter what another brother or a sister might have told you. I want to tell you, you're an overcomer by the spirit of God. I want to tell you that you are victorious. I want to tell you that your past does not determine your future. I want to tell you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I want to tell you that if God be for you, who can stand against you all the days of your life? I want to tell you that you are a Christian full of the power of the living God. I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit in you is greater than anything outside of you. I want to tell you that you are victorious. I want to tell you that you can pick up your head. I want to tell you that you do have a purpose in Christ Jesus. You have a purpose. Somebody say, I have a purpose. You have gifts because you have a purpose. Our generation needs to understand this because they think that because of failure and mistakes, they no longer have a purpose. That's not who our God is. He's a forgiver and he's a God full of grace. Can I get an amen? You have a purpose and you have a gift. Number one, you have gifts because you have a purpose. Number two, you have gifts because you're a builder. You and I, we are builders in the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at yourself like a construction worker today. Somebody's like, I ain't never been a construction worker in my life. I can't even construct I Ikea tables. I know neither can I, but in the church of Jesus Christ, you're built. You and I were given gifts so that we can build his church. You're not given for our own kingdom or for our own agenda or for our own ego. Hello? You're given so that we can build the church of Jesus Christ and give him glory and give him praise. And to build the church, he needs you and he needs me because this is the way God decided to do it. He didn't need us, but he decided to include us as his fellow workers here in the field. And he's given you gifts and there's tools in your hand and there's gifts on the inside of you that God wants to use to build his church. Ephesians chapter 4, I'll just read a couple of verses, but Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes the church and the building of it so beautifully. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, look what Paul says. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Come on, anybody glad that we serve a generous God? That is why scriptures say when he ascended to heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. Jesus gave gifts to his people. Verses 11 through 12 in chapter 4 says, So Christ himself, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people, you and I, for works of service. You've had pastors in your life. You've had teachers. You've had evangelists in your life. You've had people who prepared you for this moment because there's a service that you got to do for his kingdom. So he doesn't come and equip us so that we can warm up a seat on a Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on. It's getting quiet in here. He equipped you because you have a purpose and because you're a builder so that his body may be built up. Verse 16, it says, from him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. We all play a part in the body of Jesus. We are all supporting ligaments. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're a ligament. (laughs) It says it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need each other. We need each other. It's time that the church stops living in offense. It's time that the church stops living in anger and unforgiveness. And it's time that the church realizes we need each other to move the church forward. We need each other to advance his kingdom. I need your gifts. You need my gifts. If we work together, if we can do this in love, come on, the church of Jesus Christ will be so advanced. And so you have gifts and I have gifts. And Paul gives us a list of gifts. Can I tell you, gifts don't come so that we can be prideful. Gifts come so that we can be helpful. Like, like maybe you've been in some Christian circles where people with a gift are like, I am prophet so-and-so, and they walk around with their head high, and nobody can touch them because if you touch them, you're going to get electrified or something like that. Like, that's not what the church of Jesus Christ is about. Come on, we're all together brothers and sisters doing this for the kingdom of God. Not for our ego, but for his glory. And so Paul wants the church to understand in Ephesians, in Romans, and in Corinthians, hey, there's spiritual gifts for you. Somebody say, I have a gift. You have a gift. And he gives us different gifts. And for the last three weeks, we went over nine specific gifts. And we took time with those nine because they've been so abused. But there's other passages of scripture. And I want you to read through the Bible where you see spiritual gifts. And today we read one more passage. And this passage included six spiritual gifts. Can we read them together? We're going to put up the list. Come on, let's read them together out loud. What are they? Prophecy, serving, giving, encourage, leading, and mercy. Alex, how do I know what my gift is? Well, number one, talk to God. We say that everybody should spend at least first 15 minutes of your day with God. That's something that we like to do here at Calvary, and we like to kind of share it. Like, spend your first 15 minutes of your day with God. If you got to put your alarm 15 minutes earlier, do it. So that when you wake up, before you look at your iPhone, your iPad, before all of that, uh, like just wake up and spend time with God. He'll show you what your spiritual gift is. Next thing, get in the Word of God. Come on, anybody thankful we got a Bible? We got the Word of God that will lead us. And that'll show us what our spiritual gift is or begin to lead us that way. Number three, we have Grow Track here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Get in Grow Track. Week number three, every single week number three, we take a spiritual gifts test. And it helps us to define what is our gifts. You could also look at the list, like the nine spiritual gifts before and these six and say, okay, where, where do I fall? Am I prophecy? Am I serving? Am I encouragement? Am I mercy? 
right? And, and you can start to have an indication of where, where am I? I heard this example, and I'll share it. I heard this example of how you can find out what your spiritual gift is. It's called the apple pie example. Let's say we're all at a restaurant and somebody comes out with an apple pie. Anybody love apple pie? Come on. Somebody comes out with an apple pie. And let's say when the person comes out of the kitchen with an apple pie, they're coming to the table and we're all going to sit down and eat apple pie. But this guy, he just trips over himself and the apple pie just falls on the floor. It splatters everywhere. The plate breaks and it falls in million pieces. Okay. Your, your reaction to that scene might give you an indication to what your spiritual gift might be. For, for example, if that happens... And you're the type of person to say, mm-hmm. I knew that was going to happen. I've seen it. The way he was carrying, the way he had the plate in his hand. I could have told you what was going to happen since he came out. I've seen it happen in my mind. I knew it was going to I said, that thing's going to fall. It's going to break. Your gift might be prophecy. That's your gift, right? Like, you, come, you might lean that way. Just it's the way your heart works, right? If you're the type that you run over to the scene and you're like, oh, boy, the seat, they're here. I'm going to help you clean this up. And you, you bring out a broom and you help pick up the pie. You bring out a mop and napkins. You're like, somebody help over here. Come on, bring a trash can. Your gift might be serving. You're, you got to serve. I love to serve and I love to help, right? If, if this is your reaction, if you're the type to say, oh, my God, wow, okay, waiter, server, I'm so sorry. Can I get another apple pie, please? Let's get another apple pie. In fact, give me two apple pies, two apple pies. In fact, you know what, Oliver, get, give me 10 apple pies for everybody. We're just getting 10 apple pies forget that you got to get the generosity come on you're a generous person you're like don't forget the mess i'm just gonna bring some more that that might be giving right if you're the type that you got an encouragement you're gonna get around the guy and you're gonna be like hey hey it's gonna be okay you're a leader you're phenomenal it doesn't matter if you drop this apple pie i believe in you you're gonna bring out so many apple you're gonna be able to carry four at one time in your life because god is for you come on you got the gift of encouragement right if maybe your gift is leading this is how you might react to it like oh I know what happened. The table was set up wrong and the way he was carrying the plate. Look, I got a Google Doc sheet on how we could do this. If we put the table in this order, we bring out three waiters at the same time. When we pass it around in fashion, bring three tables and the legs got to be inside, not out. He wouldn't have trips. So we spread this out. We're going to meet at nine o'clock in the morning. We're talking about how we bring out apple pie. You're a leader. You know how to lead teams and you know how to structure it. It's not me. If it's mercy... This is how you might react to it. You're like, oh, my God, mercy's kindness. Oh, my God, can I tell you? Oh, I love you so much. You're awesome. God loves you. God is for you. Put your head up. It's going to be okay. The grace of God is just going to raise this apple pie right off the floor. You are a man. Put your head up, child. Chin up. It's going to be all right. You got a gift of mercy and kind. Come on, that's just an indication of where you might go. But all of us have a gift. All of us. Right? And so what, what is your spiritual gift? Find out what your spiritual gift is. We really believe that here, everybody plays a part. And that we can all make a difference in the world that we live in. Can I get an amen? Oh, come on, we all play a part. I play one part, you play another part, but we need to do this together. And so you have gifts because you have a purpose and you have gifts because you're a builder. You and I, we're going to build the church of Jesus Christ. If we're going to tell all of Miami, and if we're going to tell all of this country, and if we're going to tell the world there's a God who loves them, there's a God who's for them, I can't do it alone. Diana can't do it alone. The pastors can't do it alone. 9 a.m. can't do it alone. City campus can't do it alone. We need each other to build the church. We need each other to spread the message. Come on, can I get a witness? Come on, that we need each other in Jesus' name. You're a builder. And I'm a builder. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we'll finish with this. You have gifts because you have a purpose. You have gifts because you're a builder. 
The last but not least, I don't want to get this confused. We've been talking about gifts for the last few weeks, but I want to, I want to close off with this. You have gifts, but you are fruits. I don't want us to be just a church that gets caught up in gifts. Gifts are great and gifts are needed. And we're a church that's going to go after the gifts. But, but above everything, we need the love of Jesus Christ in our heart. And we want to be a church of love. In fact, I believe that if you have gifts, but if you lack love, you're in trouble. In fact, it's better to have love and lack, and lack gifts. Love should be the base of all of our gifts. It's for the common good to help out one another. Look what Paul says. We'll finish with this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith, it says, that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. It's love that leads the way. It's the fruits of the Spirit. Don't be so gift-minded that you have no fruits in your life. In fact, Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruits. We love the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that there's going to be a before and after for a lot of people today. Today, a lot of you, you've been sitting in your gifts. You've kept them hidden in the back of the closet. And you haven't walked out in all the purposes and plans that God has for you. And you know it. And so today is one of those days where it's going to become a before and after. The Holy Spirit is going to show you and fill you. And you get to walk out and start serving again, join a team, make a difference in the world. But let's make sure we do it in love. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's stand up all across this place. I'm going to ask all of us to close our eyes and lift up our hands. Come on, every eye closed, every hand lifted all across this place. Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your love and your grace. Come on, can somebody begin to talk to the Holy Spirit? Maybe the Holy Spirit revealed to you an area in your life that... Maybe you stopped serving in because of past experience at another church with another pastor. Or maybe somebody told you something. Parents never spoke up to you, but they spoke down on you and you believed it. And you haven't walked out on what you believe is the gifts and the callings that he's placed on the inside of you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, I pray for, for fresh rain over each and every single life. God, I pray for fresh rain over every person that's been in a drought spiritually physically god they just feel like they can't keep going in jesus mighty name holy spirit i pray that you breathe on us come on somebody lift up your hands and begin to talk to the holy spirit tell them you're welcome in my life holy spirit i desire you holy spirit i desire your gifts holy spirit i desire a fresh wind from heaven and a fresh fire from heaven god we thank you for your presence we thank you for your love we thank you that you come to awaken us open up our eyes to the god to the calling to the giftings to the anointing to the ministry that you placed on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that your church may wake up and stand up to do all that it's called to do, God, that we will be the supporting ligaments to help out one another.
another. God, I pray for anybody that's been hurt, hurt by past mistakes, past failures, past people. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for healing, God. I pray for healing in Jesus' name. I pray for people that have been comfortable, people that have been comfortable in sitting on gifts, that have been sitting on talents, that have been sitting on a gift that you called them to operate in the church. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray that your spirit may make them uncomfortable so that they may become and start to make a difference in their world. God, I pray that you raise up leaders. I pray that you raise up people with prophetic anointing. And I pray that you raise up people to make a difference in our city, in our society, all over the world. God, I thank you for gifts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Breathe on us this morning. Come on, some of you, the Holy Spirit is showing you areas of your life that you've kept hidden and in the back and he's calling you to serve. He's calling you to move. He's calling you. He's deposited a gift on the inside of you. You have a purpose. You are a builder. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. With eyes closed and head bowed really quick. As every eye is closed, every head is bowed. If you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't know God. Maybe this is your first time here, second time here. Or maybe you've been coming for a little bit, whether you're in the auditorium, listening online, anywhere around the world. I want to tell you, God loves you. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I don't even know too much about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you do when you've walked away from God and it's been a, it's been a long time since you've had a relationship with the God who loves you. He loves you. God loves you. The Bible says that all of us were sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The Bible says that all of us have failed. There's not one perfect person in this place today. We've all done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. But it also says that God is love. And it, it says that God loves me so much and loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus and Jesus came and he grabbed all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our shame. And the Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and Jesus died for all of humanity. Today, maybe you're feeling shame and guilt. I want to tell you that Jesus died for that. Today, maybe you're, you're remembering some of your mess up, some of your sins. I want to tell you that Jesus, he paid the price for sin. The Bible says that the price of sin is death. And so Jesus died it in our place. The Bible says he was laid down in the grave for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. And we believe that he's alive today. We believe that he's the answer that you've been looking for. He's the peace that you need in your life. What you've been searching of, what you've been looking for to fill that void in your heart, it can only be found in Jesus. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed all across this auditorium. I'm going to ask the entire church to pray. Come on, dream team praying, pastors praying, church praying. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need a relationship with God. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I, I need to get my life right with God. I want forgiveness for my sins. Maybe you had a relationship at one point, but you say, today I want to begin again. I really believe that today God can give you a clean slate. You can begin life brand new. He wants to forgive you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. If you're in here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand where you're at. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. None of that. Every eye closed, every head bowed in a moment of privacy and concentration. I want you just to hold it up for a few seconds so I can see you, so I know who I'm praying for. And more important than that, God, I believe, is looking at you. And he's going to come into your life. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
we will be saved. If that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place as high as you can. I see you. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands raised all over the place. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for each and every single hand in this auditorium around the world, people that are making a decision to follow you. I'm going to say a simple prayer, eyes closed, head bowed. I want the whole church to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. We're talking to God in this moment. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come into my life be my lord and be my savior in jesus name amen amen and amen come on calvary can we give them a big big hand come on can we celebrate